You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast with your host, Vanessa Weisbrod. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod coming to you from the Celiac Disease Program at Children's National Health System. And I want to start out by saying a huge thank you to all of our dedicated listeners. I also want to welcome my co-host, Joanna McMahon, into the studio today. Welcome, Joanna. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, everybody. So happy to be here. So today's podcast should be a really fun one as we're coming up on the end of the year. It's all about travel. I love talking about traveling, and I know that lots of our listeners do too. And we always get a lot of questions about traveling around the world and how to find gluten-free friendly locations. So we decided to compile a list of some of the most gluten-free friendly regions of the world, some that I think are really going to surprise you. Now, to help us talk about this great topic, we have the gluten-free globetrotter herself, Erin Smith, in the studio today. Erin is an expert at traveling the world and scouting out gluten-free spots. She's here to share some of her favorite finds with us. So welcome to the studio, Erin. Hi, ladies. Glad to be here. So let's start out with a fun question. Where would you say is the most gluten-free friendly place you've ever been? Um, I get this question a lot, and I feel like I'm biased because I live in New York City, but in the U.S., I would definitely say New York City um, is gluten-free friendly. It's come a long way over the years, and um, my second choice for within the U.S. is Portland, Oregon. I used to work there, and I pretty much ate my way through the city every time I went out there for business. I totally agree with you. I went out there one time to meet with some folks from Bob's Red Mill, and there was amazing food in Portland. I was so surprised at how many gluten-free friendly options there were. Yeah, and the thing about Portland, I mean, the Portland, like, kind of unofficial city motto is keep Portland weird, and so when you tell people you're gluten-free, it's not weird. Like, if you're only gluten-free, that's weird, because they're like, okay, what else? And you're like, no, I have celiac, and um, so it's just really, it's a really great city to, to be gluten-free. There's so many options. There's a lot to do in Portland, um, but yeah, I think, you know, going out there, it's, it's a treat, because there's just so much to eat out there. Absolutely. I think, you know, internationally, which people ask me a lot too on my blog, is um, my top pick, which surprises a lot of people, is Italy. And, um, you know, the reason in Italy people love bread and love pasta and Italians take their food very seriously. So they never want anybody to really be compromised if they have a limited diet. So um, Italy actually is a great place to be gluten-free. There's a lot of awareness about celiac disease and you can actually buy gluten-free food in the pharmacy in Italy, um, which is very convenient when you're in a city and you're looking for some food. But, you know, in Rome especially, there's just so many options now and um, really I beg my husband every single year to take me to Italy for my birthday. I mean, I've been, so we went in 2012 for a couple of weeks and we spent most of our time in like the Florence region and it was the best uh-huh. food I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, the bread was amazing. The yeah. pasta, the pizza, it was so unbelievably delicious. Uh, I, I literally yeah, fantasize I about it all the time. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think I think the thing that you know, like I said, Italians don't want anybody to be deprived of enjoying their food, and there's just I cried happy tears at a restaurant outside of Vatican City because I had bread, I had pasta, I had wine, I had just been to the Vatican. I was like, this is a dream. <laughs> this is amazing, and um, and really, it's just it's just a wonderful place, and I think people are so scared because of the the notion that there's a lot of pasta, um, but you, I would say almost every restaurant can accommodate gluten-free and someone with celiac disease. I feel like they're also awesome. more excited to promote that they have it. I remember being in Florence at the Duomo and coming out the back door and right in front of us was this huge sign of a restaurant that says, we have gluten-free. And it was just like such a nice feeling that restaurants were promoting it and advertising it in big signs and that you didn't have to try super hard to find gluten-free options. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, I probably went to that restaurant in Florida. <laughs> I went to some place outside of this Momo and I had gluten-free pizza right outside. And yep. so, yeah, I, I think there isn't necessarily the stigma that there might be here in the U.S. that gluten-free tastes bad. Um, I, I think that over there, there's, there's um, like, you know, they just want food to taste good, and it does. <laughs> and I think if any, in any country, if gluten-free food is prepared well, it tastes really good. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I agree. I don't think there was, like, that kind of hiding of the, the advertising of uh, gluten-free food over there. <laughs> Absolutely. So now we've talked about some of the good places you've been. Have there been places you've been where there are not so many options for gluten-free? Um, yeah, you know, I've been to Asia now twice. I've been to Thailand, and then um, actually this past year I was in Singapore, which was an amazing place to visit. But, um, you know, in Asian culture, I don't think there's a lot of awareness of, of celiac disease of eating gluten-free as we know you know soy sauce is used in a ton of asian dishes and noodles tend to be wheat based so i found asia kind of difficult um that said i always do a ton of research before i go to a new place so i kind of prepare myself of where i can eat um asia is difficult and then more locally to be honest the middle of the country is very hard, the middle of the U.S. I've driven cross-country now from New York to California and then California back to New York, and it's hard. I was in South Dakota and Wyoming over the summer, and it's really hard. You cannot find gluten-free food in restaurants without really going out of your way. Um, I made a lot of meals by finding Walmart of all places and <laughs> yeah. being able to find gluten-free bread and gluten-free cold cuts and then just making a sandwich on the side of the road because there were no restaurants in, in I mean, there's no people in some parts of the country. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, to find a restaurant in rural Wyoming is really hard. And to, to say gluten-free, they just look at you like you're crazy. So, um, so I think even here, it's very regional of where you can find a lot of gluten-free options. Big cities, obviously New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, those are great places. But small towns, rural towns, it's a lot more difficult. 
I have a lot of trouble. So my husband's family lives in Boston. So driving between like the New New York area and Boston, there are lots of places if you get off the highways and you like drive into like town centers and you seek them out. But the rest stops have nothing. Uh, they're just terrible, oh, terrible rest stops. Yeah, and you yeah. really have to plan it's, ahead. Yeah, the whole 95 corridor from D.C. to New York, too, going back and forth, it's so difficult to find anything at rest stops. Yeah, I agree with that. I think rest stops are really hard. Um, I, but, Vanessa, to your point, I also go out of my way sometimes because I do hear about these places. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I will drive off the highway and, you know, trek inland so to say you know 20 30 minutes because i hear about a bakery or a diner um but yeah rest stops are hard um one thing i have been doing and i do this a lot even overseas i did this in thailand um i kind of build snack meals i call it so if you don't have food in the car which i'm sure we all do but um you know finding a convenience store or supermarket, um, you know, most of the time now you can find pre-boiled eggs, so hard-boiled eggs. You can find individually wrapped cheese. If you can do dairy, you can find cut-up vegetables. So I kind of, like, piece together from what I find at these stores. Um, at the convenience store, 7-Eleven is a great, you know, place to stop because you can always find a banana, hard-boiled eggs. Um, cheese and sometimes fruit and you know you kind of make a meal you make the best yeah. of what you have um, you know New York to Boston isn't so far you're not going to starve but at the same time like it's nice to be able to grab something on the go so um, you know and and most of the time the stuff in these stores isn't so healthy anyway so it's like yeah. being able to kind of see what's available put together a snack meal and then and then go but yeah rest stops I mean, in general, rest stop food isn't so healthy. So. And with two, so I have two little kids. I have a two and a half year old and a five year old. So no matter what, we have to stop somewhere for them to eat. That they just they can't make it. And it's yeah. So we've done a lot of what you said. You know, we found certain delis along the way that we can stop at, or like a great Mexican restaurant, or a really good cafe that has great gluten free options. So we sort of like build it into our day. But my husband jokes that when he drives by himself from between New York and Boston, he can make it in three and a half hours door to door. But when we go with the kids, it's like never less than six because we have to do the bathroom yeah. stops and the food stops. And, oh, it's never easy. No, I understand. When you kind of build up, like, our, our doing a route regularly, like, we actually have, we do we do our regular D.C. to New York and then D.C. to Pittsburgh to go to my husband's family. And talking about going out of your way a little bit, we've now kind of built it in that we know we're always going to stop at Baltimore Tea and Coffee, like, um, on our way out to Pittsburgh. And uh, it's now one of our favorite stops because they have great gluten-free options. And it is a little bit off the beaten track off the main highway, but it's totally worth it. So now it's kind of like I get excited as I know we're getting ready for our Pittsburgh trip because I know I get to stop and get my A, really awesome coffee, and, like, fantastic sandwich on fresh gluten-free bread they make for me. <laughs> we do that at Rain's yeah, Deli. No, yeah, no, I definitely have done that, too. I, I think, um, you know, 
I think just being, like you said, having a place that you know is gluten-free friendly and familiar, you know, that, that brings a lot of comfort when you're traveling. And I think, you know, even if you go once a year, you, you're like, okay, well, I had a good experience. Hopefully it's the same owner, same menu, and you can go back year after year. And that definitely makes for easier travel. For sure. So, Erin, you travel a lot to different parts of the world. So when you're starting to plan a trip, where do you go to find gluten-free resources in the country or the city that you're going to? Um, usually I start really on social media. I, I look for gluten-free bloggers, um, people on Twitter, people on Instagram. Um, nine times out of ten you can find a hashtag on Instagram that's like hashtag gluten-free NYC or Philly or, you know, and really somebody's been to the location you're going. So, you know, and, and as you know, we're pretty vocal and pretty – uh, we, we like to share with the community where we've had a good gluten-free meal. So I do a lot of research on social media. But one thing that I always do is I try to cross-check, like, any recommendations. So if a restaurant comes up, you know, five or six times from multiple uh, celiac people, then I'm like, okay, let's add this to the list. Um, I do also use some apps and um, I have some apps on my phone that, you know, you can search for places by um, by location. So I'll use that as well. But I don't like to rely solely on apps because I think that sometimes the reviews are outdated or they're a little bit biased. So um, I like to use multiple sources of information. I'll, um, and also if I get a recommendation, I'll go to the website of that place and say, you know, I'll, I'll look for their menu or I'll look for their Facebook page and I'll say, hey, I heard you have a gluten-free menu. Can you tell me if you do? Can you accommodate someone with celiac disease? Which I think is really important because um, there's a lot of recommendations out there that are from people without celiac. And, you know, as we know, there's, you know, a level of, of confidence we need, you know, in, in food prep and ingredients to make sure our meals are safe for us. So um, I kind of do a lot of, like, crowdsourcing and then my own research. But I love doing the research, and I make it part of my trip planning for, you know, for every trip. I have to find a hotel, I have to find airfare, and then I have to find a place to eat. So <laughs> that's kind of, like, what I, what I do. And I always have way more places to eat than I have time in the city. So, right. <laughs> so I'm, like, hopefully never going hungry. So... So I know. funny, that actually brings me to one of my next questions for you. So it's, when I was in Dublin, there were so many places that came up in my research that I wanted to try. I actually built up like kind of a little food tour for myself in addition to my mm -hmm. sightseeing. So have you ever done that, like plan out a food itinerary as well as a sightseeing one in the city? Yeah, actually, I did one earlier this year. One of my best friends also has celiac, and she, um, I was living in California, and she came to San Francisco, and I think we went to six places, <laughs> and we really planned our whole day around food, and it was awesome, and had yeah, to be so purple. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just, it was so much fun. Yeah, and it was great. And yeah, we started in the morning, so I was like, okay, here's where we get coffee and gluten-free croissants. And then, you know, we, we just had such a great day. And the thing that was especially great is because she's one of my best friends and she has celiac. So it wasn't even a question of, like, 
is this okay for everyone? We're like, no, this is okay for us, and that's all that matters. So, <laughs> that's um, but yeah, I, I would say most of my trips include at least one day where I'm going to multiple places for gluten-free food. Um, I just enjoy food, too, and I think food is a great way to learn about a new city, to learn about a new culture, and um, and so I'm always on the hunt for, for places um, to eat. But yeah, the food tour, I've definitely done. I really want to do food tours in New York, like, for other people, too, so it's kind of one of my plans uh, for the new year, I think. And, you know, a lot of countries have food tours set up, too. I know we've done – we did one in Italy. We did one – oh, this was actually really cool. In Florence, we did a food tour where you went to all of, like, the famous art exhibits in Florence. And coupled with each of them was some sort of exper- food experience with it. And they were able to make everything gluten-free for me at each of the places that we went, which is, you know, Italy in general. But it was very cool to be able to see the famous art and eat along the way. Too. That's awesome. I want to do that now. We did yeah. one in um, Israel too, which was well. That the one in Israel was a food and wine tour, so that was really fun. Yeah, you know there there are there are cities now. Um, I know in Paris there are two different food tours that you can take that are completely gluten free. So um, these exist. I think you just kind of have to seek them out. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great way to see the city, especially, like, in a place like Italy, where food is so important and art is so important. Well, Um, for any of our listeners who don't know, the next International Celiac Disease Symposium is in Paris next year in September. So perhaps this is a good thing for all of us to do together. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, and I, I actually went to Paris in November of this year, so I have um, an updated list I'm working on. I was only in Paris two and a half days, but I had there were more than 30 dedicated gluten-free locations that I found in Paris. So, oh, that's amazing. Um, I will be putting that on gluten-free globe chatter. Hopefully it will be up uh, in the beginning of 2019. So you'll have it in time for the for the symposium in the fall. Amazing. So I want to go back, Erin, to talking about Thailand and Singapore again. How did you address the language barrier? And what are you, do you have any recommendations for people going to countries where they don't speak the language? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely daunting. <laughs> um, but what I did first, which I do for any country where I don't speak the language, is I got translation cards. So um, there are a number of resources online where you can download customized translation or download translation cards, or you can buy customized cards. Um, Specifically for Thailand, I bought cards because I also have a shellfish allergy, and I was more worried about um, shellfish because I had read that a lot of dishes use oyster sauce, and I didn't want any kind of cross-contamination with oyster sauce in, in any of my dishes. So um, so there there's a company I use called Select Wisely, and they made me a customized card that said, um, you know, no, no gluten, no shellfish. I actually had them just put fish in general because I was not sure if it would be lost in translation, the difference between shellfish and seafood. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so these cards are completely in Thai, and um, and they also call it severely worded, 
which basically says, do not feed her this, she will die. And I, <laughs> I you know, as we know, like with celiac, you're not going to die if you consume gluten. But I was so far from home, I did not speak the language, and I was traveling by myself for three weeks. So I was like, okay, I need the most, like, like, <laughs> I need to get my point across as strongly as possible. So, um, I have a funny story, though, is the cards almost worked too well. And there was one day I was in Chiang Mai and no restaurants would feed me. But they read the card and they basically told me to leave because they were so scared. They like the fear in them that they were going to kill me through food. But, um, but, you know, I was hungry and I was, you know, not happy that day but in retrospect I would much rather them read my card take it seriously and turn me away than for me to get gluten at you know in a foreign country when I'm by myself so um I definitely to anyone recommend those cards and then just as a side note I've also used the cards here in New York in some restaurants that the chef may not speak English and um I've been down into Chinatown with a Mandarin card before and um you know brought that with me and it was fine you know they understood what I was trying to tell them and then they brought me out a very plain dish but a, a you know a celiac friendly dish where I could eat it and not have to worry that there was any kind of hidden soy sauce or anything um so that hands down translation card I think the other thing is trying to find a local celiac group um there are many countries that have a national organization and have regional um, resources. So Celiac UK is great for the United Kingdom. There's a Celiac Association in Italy, in Spain. All of, all of these countries have these Celiac Associations, and they know they have a lot of tourists coming. Um, so what I found when I went to Singapore, I actually found that there's a Singapore Celiac Support Group. So I joined that on Facebook, and they were just a wealth of information. And, you know, um, the nice thing about Singapore is that it is a very international city. So there are, um, you know, many people that are either American or um, from Australia. So they, you know, everybody spoke English. But the Singapore celiac group, I can't even tell you, like, enough how much, how helpful they were. Um, and actually, I ended up going to a, a, a meetup event with them when I was in Singapore. And they were so generous. We made gluten-free dumplings. It was so it really added to my trip. It was just such a highlight of my trip. But um, but they really walked me through where I could eat safely while I was there. What kinds of things did you eat in Singapore besides dumplings? Um, so I only had people laugh when I told them this. I only ate Asian food when I was at that event with these women in someone's <laughs> home that is gluten-free. Um, I ate my first night there. I had... Um, these things called potato rosties, which are mm -hmm. almost like these giant potato pancakes. They're traditionally, I think, from Switzerland. Um, and then I ate Italian food. I ate French food. So I ate no Asian food. <laughs> I just ate whatever I was safe that I could find. Mm -hmm. um, and I happened to be there for work and staying at a Hilton, and they were really accommodating as well. So it had a slight Asian flair to it, but it was pretty like Americanized food to cater to my, you know, my celiac and my selfish allergy. We did the same. So our um, children's team went to India for the International Celiac Symposium last year. Oh, yeah. And we stayed, well, the conference was not at a Hilton, but 
that was a whole other not great story about that hotel. But we did stay when we were traveling around to like we did a tour in the Golden Triangle. And we only stayed at Hilton hotels in those areas and actually had a really good experience. The, they were able to accommodate all of us gluten-free. They made a lot of the traditional Indian dishes gluten-free. So that was really nice. So I would definitely agree that Hilton is a great hotel chain to stay with around the world. Yeah, you know, one thing for any place, um, I didn't do this in Thailand because I stayed more at like smaller um, kind of guest houses, but when I went to Singapore um, and when I've been to other countries, I always try to get in touch with the hotel ahead of time. And, you know, every hotel has a food and beverage manager. So if you find out that food and beverage manager um, name and get their email address, you can start that conversation before you get there. And that's what I did in Singapore. I started emailing with the food and dev manager probably three weeks before my trip. And then when I checked in, they actually brought the manager directly to me when I was still at the check-in desk. And he introduced himself. We talked about what I, you know, what meals I would eat at the hotel. And um, so it was great because that conversation had already been started while I was still home and and then you know it's kind of like a really nice feeling like comforting feeling when you check in and they're like oh well, we have someone that wants to meet you you know and yeah. it's like it just kind of it starts that conversation really early on and I think it's so important when you're traveling with Celia definitely absolutely so do you have any suggestions for helping newly diagnosed patients ease their anxiety of traveling for the first time on the gluten-free diet Sure. Um, you know, one thing I tell a lot of my readers is start local. So, you know, if people are afraid to go out to eat, um, you know, afraid to eat outside of their home, I think you start local. And it could be a place in your town or it can be a place in the city within driving distance. But get, I think you need to get comfortable with not being in your safe home and, um, and speaking up for yourself. So, you know, asking the right questions, asking to speak to the chef if you have any doubts. Um, and then, you know, I'm not expecting everyone to go to book a trip to Singapore tomorrow. I, I totally understand that everybody travels that way. But um, I think just, just really getting comfortable, especially when you're newly diagnosed, you know, don't push it. If you're, not, if you're nervous, that's okay. Um, but then starting to do your research of these places that are celiac-friendly um, and can accommodate your dietary restrictions. And then um, and as you start to travel, you know, if you're not comfortable planning for yourself, there are travel agencies. Um, there are people like me that make itineraries for others. But, you know, other people can help you plan your trip. Um, and there are celiac travel agents out there that exist and, and that are living the same life that we are. So, you know, if you don't want to plan your own travel, maybe work with some professional that can help you plan. Um, and But I would say start early. You don't ever want to, you know, I know last minute, sometimes last minute trips are fun, but I think in the end it adds more stress if you get someplace and you don't know where to eat. So, um, you know, doing your research early and, and, you know, just getting comfortable with yourself in, in being able to ask the right questions. Absolutely. So, Erin, we've talked a lot yeah. about some of the good experiences you've had. Now, I know that on a recent trip, you had some big issues um, with, with not being able to get food properly. Um, can you tell us about that trip and how you helped yourself get through it? 
Yeah, so um, I think you're probably talking about my last trip to Europe, but I went to Paris and Berlin, um, and somewhere in Paris, and I actually suspect it was a label, a gluten-free labeled product that made me sick, um, but I got very badly glutened, and to tell you the truth, in all of my years of travel and probably 25 countries, this was only the second time I've ever gotten glutened away from home, or away from the U.S., I should say, um, and I got violently ill within, you know, a very short time, which is a telltale sign for me that I've had gluten, um, and I was just so upset because it wasn't even a restaurant that got me sick. It was a product in the supermarket labeled gluten-free. And I don't know, I don't know what it was. I, I thought I used my translation app to translate all the ingredients, but something, something got me sick. So, um, getting through it is for me is getting it out of my system and staying hydrated, um, and then sleeping sadly because I got gluten as I was you know, leaving Paris, heading to Berlin, my whole first day in Berlin was pretty awful because I just felt so sick. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I if I had been home, I would have stayed sleeping for probably three days, but I only had three days in Berlin, so I tried to make the most of it and power through it. I think I pushed myself too hard and, um, and really just, it, you know, pushed my body way too hard and, and tried to keep seeing the sights, keep eating the local food that I could eat, um, and then I really just felt bad for about a week after the trip, but um, but it was really, I was really disappointed because I, I never, you know, knock wood, I never get gluten away when I'm in a foreign country, and it just was something, it happens, it happens to the best of us, and unfortunately we have to live with it, so... Um, so, you know, I think for me, I, I, you know, it's getting it out of my system and then, um, and resting and, and just trying to feel better. But when you're traveling, you don't always have that luxury of being able to kind of take a break, especially if you're on a tour or you're very limited on time. Um, but, you know, do listen to your body. And if you can't handle, you know, <laughs> how you feel, just take it easy and, and try to, get it out of, you know, get, get yourself back to normal as fast as possible. Absolutely. That's, that's really good advice. Well, Erin, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. This was really great information. And I want to remind all of our listeners that to learn more tips and strategies about navigating the gluten-free lifestyle on the go, be sure to check out glutenfreeglobetrotter.com. I know I certainly will be looking for your article on Paris so that I can plan for my upcoming yeah. trip there as well. Now, yeah, and you're a good motivation for me to get it posted. <laughs> <laughs> so before we sign off for today, I have our grocery store tip of the week brought to you thanks to the generous support of Giant Martin's Foods. When traveling on a gluten-free diet, it's really important to bring food with you just in case you find yourself in a place without great gluten-free options. Even with the best of planning, it can happen. Just let me tell you about the time I got stuck in an airport for 10 hours with my five-year-old with celiac. Thankfully, before we left, I went to my grocery store and bought up a whole supply of gluten-free granola bars. Phew. 
But the best part about it was that my store had a huge sale that week, so I actually bought two cases of gluten-free bars for the price of one. So be sure to check all of your local ads, and when you see a price cut like this for gluten-free granola bars, be sure to stock up. Well, we are all out of time for today. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode, and we will talk to you again next time. 